This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 53 of the Rebel Author Podcast. This week, it's all me, and we are celebrating the last year of Rebel Authoring. So before we start, I just want to say a enormous, gigantic, rebellious thank you to each and every one of you listening. Whether you were with me from the start or you have only recently found the podcast, thank you. Thank you for subscribing, thank you for commenting, thank you for sending in your weekly rebels over the last year. You guys make it so much fun to create this podcast and like, I don't know, I, the engagement is what makes it all worthwhile for me. I really feel like, um, I guess if I didn't have you guys commenting and answering the question of the week, it wouldn't be so much fun. It would feel like I was talking into a void. So yeah, I just want to say a deep thank you. Um, this show has quite literally um, been listened to tens of thousands of times this year. So yeah, a huge thank you from me to you. And I will continue to run this podcast for another year. I can promise you that. Before we get into the bulk of the episode, I am going to run through a few things first. So to last week's question, which was, what has been your favourite episode in the last year? Jasmine Plate said, that for me would be how to write for audio episode number 23, because I'm slightly obsessed with all things audio. Matthew Goodall said, my favourite episode of your entire podcasting is always, hands down, vaginal fisting. Which, for those of you who are now utterly fucking mortified by what I've just said, don't worry, it was in total, total relevant context in episode 34 where I spoke to Claire Lydon, a best-selling lesbian romance author, uh, where we spoke all about how to write romance and sex scenes and lesbian characters. So, uh, yeah, if you want to check that out, you can. Matthew also says um, he he's the best episode is now followed up by the one where I spoke about literary orgasms and I I now can't remember which episode that was but um, if you haven't heard it before then a literary orgasm is that moment where you get the sort of knee curling toe curling knee buckling revelation or idea that's a twist and it just like pops out of nowhere and there's no other way to describe it other than a literary orgasm. It's just what it feels like. I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. Wow, this episode's turning out fun already. And last but by no means least is Tango Jordan who said easily the Jenny Nash episode. I now have a five year plan and I absolutely fucking love that. One of the reasons that I do this podcast is to give back and to help other people. Um, of course I learn something from every single guest that I have on, but it's really important to me that um, I'm also able to help you guys listening. So the fact that uh, an episode has had that significant of an impact on somebody really means a lot to me, and I'm so happy that I have been able to help you guys. Uh, oh yes, that was episode 49. The question of the week this week is, where would you like to be in your writing or your career or your writing business uh, one year from now? 
book recommendation of the week this week is one of my books because hey it's a one year anniversary so I figured I could indulge in promoting one of my own books. So this week I am promoting 10 Steps to Hero How to Craft a Kick-Ass Protagonist. If you haven't read it you really should. Um, I cover lots and lots of different things in there including how to develop a killer character arc, a step-by-step -step guide to creating your hero right from initial idea to final page, the four major pitfalls to avoid when creating your hero or protagonist, hero tropes uh, your stories need as well as the cliches to avoid, one of my favourite topics which I genuinely think I might end up writing a whole book about but um, the web of connectivity and how everything, every element in your book should be connected to everything else, how you can do that and and yeah all that good stuff. Uh, also conflict, lots and lots of info, info about creating conflict for your protagonist and uh, other lots of other things like introducing your hero etc um, etc. Et so I will leave a link in the show notes to that. In a personal update this week, just to let you know, next week there will not be any show notes. Um, there won't be an introduction, sorry. There will be show notes, but there won't be um, an introduction. And the reason for that is I am in the final throes of creating um, the first mini course in the Anatomy of Prose courses. For those that don't know, basically I went to create a course and I it was, the Anatomy of Prose has so much stuff in it, I just, it got very overwhelming. So I have drilled right down and I am creating um, multiple mini courses. So I'm working on the senses first and that course is gonna be about three and a half hours long. So yeah, you can see like if I tried to create the whole book, the senses isn't even uh, like one chapter, it's like half a chapter. So yeah, there's gonna be a lot of mini courses coming out and um, yeah, I'm super excited. So because of that, I have had to clear my entire schedule this week because I am due to launch it very soon and <laughs> I haven't got it done yet. So no introduction next week, I will be back the following week. I will, however, be doing a live Poison and Prose session uh, tomorrow as this airs, which will be the 30th of September, and that is to celebrate the, the one-year anniversary of this podcast. Uh, oh yes, of course, I will um, include a link in the show notes, and that will be at 8pm UK, which is... What time is it? It will be 12pm PST, 3pm EST, and 5... 5 p.m. 5 a.m. Sorry, in in Sydney, Australia time. I will also be doing a webinar to help promote the launch of the Senses course, and that webinar is going to be uh, at 7 p.m. UK time on the 8th of October, and that is being hosted by Pro Writing Aid. So I will include a link in the show notes to that. Rebel of the week this week is Carlan Ware, and I hope I have said your name correctly. Carlan says, I don't know how rebellious this accounts as, but years ago when I was in ninth grade biology, we had a review day for a test. Well, like the goody two shoes I am, I was all sorts of ready for that test as I'm naturally inclined as a student in most subjects. So I decided to spend my time catching up on reading. Well, my biology teacher didn't like that much and decided to call me out in front of the entire class to put the book down. Despite my extreme social anxiety and fear of authority, I calmly did as he said and proceeded to answer every last review question he asked to the point he had to let me uh, he had to tell me to let somebody else answer. You best believe he never again lectured me on having my book out in class. <laughs> 
I love that. I love that you were absolutely right. You had all of the answers and um, like too right. I, I so, you know, I love that education. I love education and I love that we have um, a an education system, but it does frustrate me when it's clear a child has, uh, can do what's being asked and they are trying to show an interest in another thing, be it reading or or writing or whatever and because you know rules dictate that they ought to be doing whatever um means that they can't then express themselves I, you know sometimes they get very frustrated that the education system stifles children and expects them to adhere to something that just isn't right for them but anyway yes so I do love your rebellion if you would like to be a rebel of the week please do send in your story it can be any kind of rebellion big small or something in between you can email your rebel story to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or tweet me at rebelauthorpod Two new patrons this week, a welcome and a huge thank you to both Laura Kendrick and Paget Farmer. I, again, I hope I've said your names correctly. Please do feel free to email me and let me know if I have not. Um, yes, guys, thank you so, so much. I, I really do mean that. You know, you guys help to not only keep the show running, but you, you help make me feel like I'm doing something worthwhile. Yeah, chip coal off of my heart. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm being serious. Like, you, the support means everything to me. Like, literally everything. So, thank you. And if anybody else would like to support the show and get early access to all of the episodes, as well as historical bonus content and stuff that I'm planning, uh, upcoming bonus content, then you can from as little as $2 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. And that is Sasha with a C and not an S. This week's episode is sponsored by Kobo, so I'll play a word from the sponsor and then we'll get on with the show. Hi, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Tara. And we're from Kobo Writing Life, Kobo's free, fast and easy self-publishing platform. KWL was built by authors for authors, and our team of dedicated book lovers is always working hard to help authors reach new readers around the world. We wanted to tell you a little about Kobo's global reach. From our home base here in Toronto, we work hard to keep customers reading all over the world. And as a KWL author, you're doing your part too. Here are some tips that can help your books stand out globally. At Kobo Writing Life, you can set the price in 16 currencies. When you're pricing your book, you should consider how your prices are being shown globally in our store. Is your $5.99 USD price showing as $4.69 in British pounds? Chances are an offered price will likely dissuade the purchase of your book. Make sure you are manually setting the price in all currencies. Speaking of all the worldly currencies, you can also set price promotions with KWL that are currency specific. Want to honor Canada Day with a promotion? You can do that in Canadian dollars and leave your other prices just as they are. And we haven't even mentioned all the partner stores Kobo has around the world. Did you know that you can target your marketing to our partners directly? If you want to learn more about this or any aspects of KWL, check out the Kobo Writing Life podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and find us on social. You can create your free account today at kobo.com slash writinglife. We hope to see your books on Kobo very soon. Happy writing. 
It's a little odd for me to be celebrating a one-year anniversary for a podcast I genuinely wasn't ever sure I was even going to start. I was shrouded in fear when it came to podcasts. I had been listening to them for like ever. Uh, I have I had a huge list of podcasts that I would stream during work time, to be perfectly honest. And well, actually, to be fair, anytime when I was cooking, when I was driving, any uh, any time possible, I would try and consume information via podcasts. And I totally and utterly fell in love with them. Why I then didn't start my own podcast, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe it was a lack of confidence, maybe it was time, I don't know. But I am very, very glad that I did start this podcast. And so to celebrate, I want to go through some of the big lessons and some of the big takeaways and some of the good things and I guess some of the bad things too that have happened over the last year. I also want to say how deeply thankful I am for this show as week by week I have felt my own confidence grow. I think it's easy um, because I create something like this and because lots of, you know, there are lots of podcasters out there. Um, it's easy to think that because we do this, we are full of confidence and, um, you know, we put on our show voice when we come on here. But actually, I was shitting myself before I started this podcast. And I did the painful thing of going back and listening to uh, a couple of the early episodes recently. And oh, it's excruciating. You can really, well, I can hear the nerves in in my voice. Um, and certainly, over the more recent episodes, those, I'm still nervous, but I am not as nervous as I was. But yes, I just, I know that there are lots of people listening who would like to create their own podcast and may not for nervous reasons or confidence reasons. But believe me, I didn't have the confidence to start this. I just fucking did it anyway, because I don't like letting my fear win. And so yes, that's one thing that I wanted to, to tell you guys. Um, yeah, like as I said, week by week, I have felt my confidence grown and I've I've heard it in my voice as well as I've relaxed into being able to interview people. And I think in some ways this show has been an enabler of sorts. It's, it's a sculptor. It's helped me shape me into my best self. I've really come into this, uh, I, I guess, rebellious um, ethos, this rebellious theme. Um, and it showed me how I can put more of that into me and my work and, and what really matters to me on the inside. So if anyone else wants to start a podcast, I highly recommend that you do. Another thank you before we get into the bulk of um, th this episode. I wanted to take a minute to thank all of the industry experts and business professionals who have come on the show over the last year. These guys are really, really fucking busy and they take the time out of their schedule to let me grill them and not only grill them but I take lessons from them and hopefully I'm sharing nuggets of wisdom with you guys that you guys are finding helpful as well and without them there would be no podcast so if anyone who has been on the show is listening please know I am extremely grateful for your time I'm I'm very grateful that you wanted to come on the show and chat re rebellion with me so thank you Last, I 
have a hope for this podcast. I hope that it's an empowerment tool for everybody listening, that you are able to take something from the shows uh, each week, whether it's something small, something big. I if it's no longer doing that, then it's not worth it for me. I This is one of my big um, hopes each week is that I am able to give something back to you guys. So yes, uh, I hope that it continues to do that. And if you guys ever want another segment or something else in the show, please do write in. Okay, on to the big lessons and takeaways. Okay, so lesson one is about big leaps and this was also a lesson for me uh, in my one year um, of working for myself, one year as a full-time author. And I feel like this is going to be a theme for a little while in my business. But taking a big leap of faith is so, so much a part of this industry and being an indie in particular. Quitting your day job is always going to be the the biggest and most significant leap of faith. But you know what? Starting this show was a massive leap of faith for me. I was terrified, frankly. And, you know, I did have a little step up before because I had done some voiceover work in my teens. But I had clue about the technical side and I am not the most technical person and I don't know you know I'm just going to be completely honest with you guys but um early on I fucked up five weeks running like I'm not even kidding I I made one of a number of mistakes and I can't I forget which episodes they were and I have also corrected them but a huge thank you to Val Neal who week on week picked up (laughs) I'm so mortified the mistakes that I made. And look, like this is the thing. If you are not starting something, be it a podcast or a book or whatever, because you're afraid of making a mistake, fuck that. Everybody makes mistakes. I make mistakes. You know what we do? We pick ourselves up, we have a giggle about it, we fix the problem and we move right the fuck on. Okay, this this is this is a lesson. Take that leap of faith. Yeah, you might fuck up a little bit, but it's okay because you learn. And, you know, just to be quite clear, it was five different mistakes <laughs> each of those weeks. And I'm not going to go into the details of them because I'm mortified enough. But yeah, every time we commit to doing something new it's it's a it's a fearless fucking leap into the fire it's the unknown and i can tell you having leapt into that fire it's a cozy motherfucker it's not the hot you know like volcanic fire pit of fear that i thought podcasting would be it's uh, i don't know it's like a sexy fairy like lit jacuzzi with a gin and loads of half naked humans serving me olives right okay like maybe that's not what podcasting is exactly but um i'll be a bit more serious actually fuck it no i don't want to be serious this is my podcast i'm not going to be serious this this is a real lesson though and and that is the point I know there are so many of you listening who have something that you want to do. Maybe it's hitting the publish button. Maybe it's starting your own podcast. Maybe it's booking a skydive. Maybe it's starting a publishing house. Guys, YOLO. You only live once and you have to go out and do this. Nobody will do it for you. Fear isn't real. It's a construct in our own minds. It's our brain's way of protecting us, of flooding our systems with hormones to keep us safe, to keep us boring, to keep us in our comfort zones. 
Nothing good ever comes from being in your comfort zone. So don't do it, guys. Take the leap of faith. That is my one, my first takeaway. All right, number two is all about taking on too much. Um, I think our excitement to try and work towards becoming full-time career authors or being a full-time author, it's very easy to take on too much. Lots of you in the questions asked about uh, managing your time and scheduling and it's not easy. I made one podcast, one decision with this podcast that I do mildly regret. And I don't really like having regrets, but uh, the decision made my life far more difficult than necessary. And in particular, because of the what happened in the world this last year with the pandemic, uh, the majority of my podcasting has been during this pandemic, uh, given that this pandemic has now been going on for seven or eight months and the podcast is only a year old. And I obviously could not have um, anticipated that. But one of my biggest strengths, uh, and I suppose also biggest weaknesses, is my very strong desire to always do everything to the absolute best of my ability. Um, and you might think, well, that's obviously a good thing, but also it can be a bad thing because it means I take forever to get something done and... It also means that I'm incapable of creating an MVP, uh, also known as a, a minimum viable product. I, I don't understand MVPs. I don't really understand how to do that. I don't know how to create something that isn't 100% of what I want it to be. Um, and I'm discovering, I've, I've discovered this, uh, whether it's a strength or weakness, I don't know, but I've discovered it through the Clifton Strengths testing and, and all of the information around that. But Whilst it's great for customers and, you know, it is fun for me uh, to do that, it, it, in creating and trying to do that with the podcast, I did overreach myself. I set up, um, at the beginning, I set up uh, so that each podcast would have transcripts. Um, it gets posted on Patreon, Podbean, my blog, YouTube. Um, I also had to edit, all, as I've mentioned, I've had to edit all of the transcripts and emails to the guests. And each one of those um, channels also has different like graphics that need creating. And then to promote it, I have to schedule social media. And I have Facebook, I have a Facebook group, I have Instagram, I have Twitter, um, Pinterest. So like what I essentially did was create a lot of doorways into the podcast, which is great. That's helped with um, finding listeners. It's made the podcast look professional and, sick, and slick. Sorry, my chair is creaking. But I also created a shitload of work for myself. And it may not have been such an issue if it, you know, if it weren't for the coronavirus. But, you know, these things happen. Coronaviruses do happen or life things happen. And that cut cut down of my hours, you know, it caused chaos for me trying to get the podcast out. And I very nearly stopped. I, I was really concerned at one point that I wouldn't be able to continue the podcast. And it taught me a lesson that sometimes minimum viable products are okay. And that's huge for me. I, I did stop posting quite as much of the scheduling of the show. And I stopped the transcripts because I find a solution to, to my time issue, it was either cut back or cut it entirely. And I didn't want to do that because I love this podcast. So yeah, the, 
maybe this is a lesson maybe some of you listening can relate to always wanting to deliver to the best of your ability but here's me saying sometimes you don't have to um and I'm saying this to myself as well because you know no one's gonna die if the podcast doesn't have the most expert you know show notes or whatever um it's not the end of the world Sasha you can you can live with minimal show notes it's fine for a while um yeah my 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 point that I'm trying to make is sometimes it's better just to get it out to publish that thing or create the first podcast and evolve it as you go it doesn't need to be perfect from the outset and this is so much uh, of a lesson also for drafting um the first draft doesn't have to be the best draft it just has to be a draft you can fix it later so yes that's number two all right number three people are everything so I did ask uh, in my Facebook group for lots of questions uh, which I was going to answer on this show but actually I've decided to answer them in the Q&A on uh, Wednesday the 30th of September but one question I thought uh, I should answer on this and th- that was from Renee Gallant. Renee says you have so many irons in the fire and I would like to know how you fell into all of these things or how the doors of opportunity open themselves to you and this plays so much into this lesson for me because people really are everything. I I often like to think of myself as a lone wolf and I think that's a very common thought for most writers. Uh, we It's a solitary job, we do this on our, on our own. Many writers are um, introverts or even if they are extroverts they still gain a lot of energy from being by themselves and so we perpetuate this myth that we are lone wolves but guys it's a load of bollocks. We are not lone wolves. Through this podcast, I have met dozens of new authors, uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, and each one is a new connection. And out of those connections have come multiple opportunities. Sometimes I've helped guests and other times they've helped me. And like, I would, it would be remiss of me if I didn't mention Daniel. Um, I'm sure he'll listen to this and don't let this go to your head, buddy. Uh, Daniel's become one of my best writing friends. Like I can't, you know, we we met through through a mutual friend, um, but we, our first interaction was via our podcast. We interviewed each other for our podcast and thank god we did because he's literally one of my best friends now and you know we we've we're hosting our own podcast and if you don't listen to the next level authors you're really fucking shit um but yeah like there are there are so many opportunities that come out of podcasting and just meeting other people and especially in times like this where you know all of the in-person conferences are being cancelled but renee asked how how I fell into them and how these doors of opportunity open themselves well people that that's it there isn't there is no other way and the thing is it might not be immediately it might not be that um, first interview you do but perhaps you reach out and comment on something of theirs and then they comment on something of yours and then all of a sudden you you're emailing each other and then somebody's hosting a conference and asking you to speak like people connections just being supportive and helpful and and nice to other people is is how these opportunities appear yes you obviously have to still do the hard work of creating your books and creating your products these help to build your reputation 
but people are everything. I can't explain or, you know, like tell you guys enough that the one thing you can do to help grow your career, your author career, is yes, okay, obviously write books, but secondary to that is to network and to make friends and to help people and support people and talk to people. I know it's scary, I know it's horrible, but we're just humans too, you know? So yeah, like some of the things that have come out of this podcast, I've ended up co-writing with um, one of my guests. I have been a speaker at various different events. I've created promotional opportunities. I've had invites onto other podcasts, joined mastermind groups, found new friends, best friends, like so much comes out of just talking to other people. And if you have a podcast, then it's an excuse to get those people into a room with you where, you know, you have their undivided attention and there is no better way to create a connection than when somebody has your undivided attention. So even if you find connecting hard and you don't want to run a podcast, that's okay. But my takeaway for you is to encourage and push yourself outside your comfort zone when it comes to people. People are everything. Podcasting is a brilliant method of connecting and um, that counts for even if you are introverted or nervous. So if you have been thinking about podcasting, then I highly, highly encourage you to do it. It gives you, I guess, like some armour and confidence and certainly does that for me. I hate telephone calls and I avoid calling people at all costs but the podcast gives me the confidence because it's a yeah like I've said it's armor I I come on this show and it's armor and I'm doing a job and it just it's it, it helps me to connect with other people so that's what I'm saying to you try and put yourself out there try and connect with other people as that's where my opportunities come from. Number four is about money. Now, money has a stigma. I've done a couple of shows on money because I think it's so important and I don't really understand why we have um, so much stigma around money. It's it's a nonsense that society has bred into us <laughs> and just like some of the other things I've said on this podcast, it's total bullshit. Now, I have recently released a book on finance for career authors. It's in the nine things career authors don't do series and I co-wrote it with Jay Thorne. So if you're interested in um, finding more about money, then I will include a link in the show notes. But I, I appreciate that I bang on about multiple streams of income all the time, but it is genuinely one of the most important and, and, and fundamentals for my business. If it weren't for the fact that um, I have multiple streams of income, I couldn't have left my day job. My sales don't, I'm not, yeah, so yes, I am a full-time author, but my sales don't cover all of my bills. They cover a very large majority of them, but they don't cover them all yet. And and that's fine. Like I am still working for myself. I am still full time. Um, whether you think that means I'm not a full time author, I don't really give a shit because I'm not in a day job. And therefore, in my mind, I am full time. I'm a businesswoman. I'm a full time entrepreneur. And if you guys want to leave your jobs, then this is having multiple streams of income is the easiest and quickest way to do that. Like nobody is saying that you can't write all day. Um, you can create other forms of income that mean that they pay for your time to write all day. If that's what you want to do, that's okay. 
But my point is, without the multiple streams of income, it takes a lot longer to do it solely with book sales. And the most important thing for me was leaving my job. Um, yeah, and so speaking about my job, the last two years of my day job were shrouded in the worry of redundancy. I was under threat of redundancy no less than four times in that two year period. And like the stress and the pressure it placed on me isn't worth it. It was so toxic. Now, starting a podcast is not going to make you money straight away. Um, it takes a really long time. You do need a certain number of downloads before people will sponsor you. But um, over time, it can create another revenue stream. And I just wanted to tell you guys about some of the revenue streams. Of course, you know, there is a sponsor on this show. Kobo are an amazing organization and they have kindly sponsored the show. And that does mean that they pay me a fee um, every year. That's what a sponsor does. They they pay you a fee, whether it be per year or per episode or however you, you want to work it. And then you promote their product. And obviously it's very important that you only choose to work with organizations that you genuinely support yourself um, and of which Kobo is one. Um, but yes, once you know, once you hit a certain point, that can create an income stream. And Patreon, another one, you guys, you guys actually help to pay you to keep the podcast running. Podcasts are not free. They have host costs, they have equipment costs, they have um, time costs as well. So Patreon um, help, that's another income stream uh, connected to the podcast. And obviously you have to think about what um, rewards and benefits you're going to put into Patreon. Um, but yeah, it's it's amazing. And I absolutely fucking adore my Patreon community, uh, especially all the guys in Slack. You guys make me smile constantly, all the jokes and the banter. So yeah, like, thank you so much uh, for being there. And also, uh, what else? Oh yes, so uh, merchandise as well. I do have a line of Rebel Author merchandise, which you can find um, on Redbubble, and I'll also include a link. So there's stacks of stuff like jumpers and hoodies and notebooks and mugs and all that kind of stuff. So each one of those is a new revenue stream that I wouldn't have done if it weren't for this podcast. Now, not all podcasts will make money, and I'm not also not saying that podcasting is the only other revenue stream. There are a shit ton of other revenue streams that you can create yourself. It's just that I bloody love podcasting, and so that's why I wanted to um, use it. Um, yeah, so my point is, my lesson, my takeaway is that that multiple streams of income are essential uh, to my business and to anybody who wants to leave their job quickly. And podcasting is one way in which you can do that. But believe you me, you have to work pretty fucking hard to get it up to the point where um, you can start monetizing it. All right, number five is about systems and tools. I alluded earlier to the fact that, um, you know, some of the technical aspects of running a podcast aren't that hard, but you do need to learn about them. And also that it's very easy to over um, extend yourself like I did in trying to make it the best it can possibly be. And uh, some of that was because I didn't have systems in place. And um, so I I think this counts for writing as well. And lots of us are really busy and therefore we should have better systems in our writing businesses in general. So I'm going to talk about the podcast specifically, but um, 
perhaps you might be able to reflect and think about how you can put in different systems for um, your own businesses. So I haven't ever been fabulous at creating systems, but if I hadn't created and iterated the system for the podcast, I would have been in real trouble in running this because each episode can take can take up to one full working day. And given that this episode, this podcast runs weekly, you can see how much time it takes. On average, it's about half a working day. But um, yeah, it's, it is not a small amount of time that I dedicate to doing this. And so, yes, while nothing that's involved in creating the podcast is particularly difficult, it is time consuming and therefore requires a lot of organisation. So one, the first thing that I do is I block book interviews. I try very hard not to do um, the odd interview here and there. I will dedicate a whole month to uh booking out as many interviews as I possibly can Um, and then that means that okay I don't get a lot of other stuff done that month I don't get to socialize my wife gets a bit cross uh, because all the evenings are gone but for the most part I will get you know um, 20 podcasts uh, recorded and then I won't have to record for for another six months and I do that very specifically because um, it drains me a lot energy wise doing all of these podcasts and I don't like splitting my attention too much so I put this into a doing all of the editing and stuff I've put into a weekly thing but doing all of the interviews and talking to all of these people is extremely draining and I don't like to do that when I'm drafting my novels so yeah I do try and keep those time blocks separate the next thing I do is to create a podcast schedule. So I know I am always booked at least three months out. So if anybody ever wants to pitch for, to come on this show, you'll need to book at least three months in advance of whatever, you know, if it's a book or a course or a service or whatever it is that you're launching. Um, m- most podcasters are booked out a long way in advance and I am always a minimum of three months booked. So um Yes. And so whenever I book a new podcast, it goes into the next uh, earlier slot for the most part, unless there's something I know that's that's booked for a specific time. And that's really helped to make just ease the pressure. You know, I I like things um, planned a long time in advance. So that that's also helped. Next, I um, have created a lot of templates. So I have an email template to email all of my guests with um, all of the links. And then I just replace the links each time. What else? Templated graphics for each week as well. So I can just swap the images that's helped to uh, reduce the amount of time it takes to create those. And then similarly, I've also created a template for my show notes. So I have slots. I always talk about Rebel of the Week. I always do a personal update. I always talk about the question of the week. And all of that's in the same order every week because I read it off. Well, not read. I sort of ad lib and have my notes next to me and that they are in a particular order. In terms of software, I love Calendly. That's C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y. Um, and Calendly basically enable connects to my calendar and will tell people when I am free and you can determine what slots you give over. So because a lot of my guests are often the other side of the ocean, I tend to have to do a lot of recording in the evenings. So Uh, but I have some evenings that I can't record so uh, it will tell people that but not only that it tells them in their time zone because I can assure you that trying to 
sort out uh, time zone issues is an absolute bitch otherwise. So yes, I love Calendly. That's another system I use um, that helps the headache <laughs> of organising uh, podcasts. Um, and then I use OneNote for all of my... Um, show information so I keep obviously rebels I keep show times and questions I prepare all of the questions in advance uh what else canva uh for creating the images and later.com for scheduling uh a lot of the uh, what's it called all of the social media so yeah so that that's a that's a few of the things that I do uh in my system uh, oh, sorry, one other key thing. I have a, in my schedule, I have a table that I've created that has like a checklist. Uh, so for each episode, I make sure I tick off that I've done everything. So um, the blog, the Patreon, emailing the speaker, um, putting it on my podcast homepage, all of that kind of stuff. And so it just means that I don't forget to do anything each week. And I think the big, the, the big, takeaway here is that if you want longevity, if you're starting a podcast and you're keen to run it for a long period of time and you don't want to be the average podcaster who stops after seven episodes, then you need to make sure that you do put systems in place to help you manage the very significant workload of running a podcast. Right, and number six is that podcasts are global. They are truly, truly global. I think as indie authors, we tend to focus on the biggest bookmarks in bookmarks, <laughs> book markets. In other words, the English speaking countries like America, the UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, etc, etc. And it's so easy to focus on those and then forget how big your audience really is and how big the global book market is. I have been reading the... Um, uh, international insights blogs which is on the uh, alliance of independent authors uh, blog website their selfpublishingadvice.org and every saturday they release they release an international insights post and it, it is gobsmacking how significant or even how significantly small the english speaking book market is compared to the rest of the world it's absolutely goddamn enormous and you know i don't want to to take that for granted i want to reach other people in other countries it's not all about england and america and this podcast has really shown me that if you're using a podcast host like Podbean, which is what I use, or one of the, like Lisbon or, or whatever, then you get to see your download stats and, and the growth globally of your show. This show has been listened to in more than 64 countries. Like there's um, it's there's 64 named countries and then some countries that are un unidentifiable. Um, so yeah, 64 countries. Are you fucking kidding me? Like what? <laughs> that's amazing. I'm gobsmacked by that. And that's like more countries that I've sold books in. Um, so yeah, like that's amazing. And if that isn't a stark reminder that we need to be more globally focused as authors, and I don't know what is, I am, I'm completely humbled and sh shocked. I actually only just went to check, uh, literally just now before I said it, how many countries this, um, podcast has been listened to. And I, gasped because I I can't believe it's been listened to in that many countries so thank you um and 
long may it continue that this podcast is able to reach people that I haven't reached in in other countries and hopefully I'm helping people in a in a whole range of countries I don't think there's really a takeaway for this well no actually that's not true there is a takeaway the takeaway is for me to ask you as authors to not forget that there is a whole massive world out there and there are huge, huge numbers of readers in countries where English may not be the national language, but there are still millions of people speaking English and who want to read your books. So yeah, like let's not forget the whole rest of the world exists and thank you because I love traveling and I love this earth and I love all of the countries in it. So thank you uh, to everybody who's listening from somewhere that isn't where I've already mentioned. That's it from my reflections from the first year. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, next week, as I've mentioned, there won't be um, the extensive uh, introduction as normal, but I don't think you're going to need it because I have a huge guest next week. Next week, I am speaking to one of my writing friends, Jenna Moresi. We are going to be celebrating her launch of the recent uh, publication, The Saviour Sister, which is a companion novel to her first sister, her first sister, her first uh, book in the Saviour series, The Saviour's Champion. And we are going to be talking all about how to write dark fantasy. So join me next week for that. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.